Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, whoever you are, for that wonderful introduction. This is the Kinetic Enterprise, and as always, we have a very, very interesting and timely show for you today. Let me start off by giving you a little overview of our topic, and then I will ask my esteemed panelists to introduce themselves. So, the linear supply chain, driven by advanced technological capabilities, has rapidly evolved to become an integrated supply network. What does this mean? It's requiring organizations in every industry to adopt more responsive capabilities that are built to evolve. And that's what the kinetic enterprise is, built to evolve. What's the challenge? You have to design digital supply networks to drive value rather than improvise the response to counter disruption. Now, come on, we're all, this is October 2nd, 2020. We're live here on Voice America Business Channel. And we all know about disruption. We know about the world almost coming to a stop. We know about businesses needing to be agile and pivot and come out of the pandemic shutdowns and maybe redo their business models. Supply chains are key to this whole conversation. So you're going to listen in today with me as Deloitte supply chain transformation leaders discuss a new digital capabilities model for digital supply networks. It's designed to identify capability maturity gaps, okay, establish performance metrics, everybody needs metrics, and drive tech-enabled process improvements. You're going to find out how the ASCM, I'm going to tell you who that is, the Association for Supply Chain Management. How about that? It's the curator of the supply chain operations reference, that's the SCOR score model, is collaborating with Deloitte to bring this new model to life for supply chain professionals. So that's what we're talking about today, and that's what we're talking to, even if you are not a supply chain professional in our audience, this is for you, because somewhere in your business, whatever you do, there is a supply chain. So if this is not directly involving you, it's involving your colleagues somewhere. I have Deloitte's Chris Richard with me. I have Peter Ballstorff with me, and I have Vadi Narasimhamurti. I think I got it right, Vadi. And we're going to ask them for their insights on the Kinetic Enterprise Enabling Your Digital Supply Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. I always learn so much on these shows, and I know you will too. And thank you to our global listening audience. So let's get started. Chris Richard, you're up first. Chris, would you please take about two to three minutes and tell everybody who you are, what you do. And Chris, we also want to know why is this topic important to you? Welcome, Chris. Thanks. Sure, Bonnie. So uh, happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a supply chain professional. I've, I've worked in supply chain for over 25 years, you know, mo- mostly in the high-tech industry. I spend my days, my weeks, and sometimes my weekends, you know, working to solve companies, you know, most, you know, challenging problems around, around supply chains. And it's, uh, you know, to me, a really, really exciting area to work in because, as you just said, right, there's materials moving all around this globe, right? There, there are stuff we buy and order every day that comes from every continent on this planet, right? So it's, it's really exciting. It's really, really far reaching. And, uh, and, it's, and it's an area ripe with innovations. And one of those biggest innovations that we're, you know, driving, you know, right now is this transformation that you talked about to digital supply networks. So it is a super important uh, part of our, our daily life. It's a certain super important part of our economy. 
it's a super important part of, of tying, you know, all the nations together, you know, as, as we trade with each other in, in these times. So uh, that's a little bit about my background, Bonnie, and, uh, and why I'm excited about this topic. Thank you very much, Chris. Pleasure to have you on. And it, it's funny, but a couple of years ago, if you talk to consumers every day, the, the, all of us, nobody would say, gee, I couldn't get this product. It wasn't on the shelf. I wonder what's going on with their supply chain. Do we really think anybody would have even known the term? Would anybody, consumer packaged goods, would anybody said, wow, my favorite toothpaste is out of stock. I wonder what, what blip is happening to disrupt their supply chain. <laughs> And now, because in a way, because of COVID, I think we are seeing, tell me if I'm right, everybody, you can nod, we're seeing a global education as to what ha- an awareness of what's going on behind the curtain, behind the scenes, how businesses really get things done. So I think it's a great time to have this conversation. That leads me to welcoming Peter, Peter Ballstorff. Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise. Happy to have you here. And why don't you do this? Thanks, Introduce yourself and tell us, what does this topic mean to you? Why are you excited to be here? Or are you? Peter, talk to me. <laughs> I am really excited to be here. And uh, so Peter Bolsdorf, Executive Vice President for Corporate Development with the Association for Supply Chain Management. Um, you know, the biggest aha in the last six months is, as you said, Bonnie, people now understand what supply chain means. When they go to the shelf and there's no toilet paper and they can't find, uh, you know, uh, paper towels and... Uh, and, and those kind of things, uh, people now understand that. The interesting thing is is uh, trying to explain it, and that's why I'm really so excited to be a part of it today. Is is there is no there there is no black box around supply chain, and so you know ASCM is really part of teaching people about what it is. And I'll say this: consumers are playing a larger and a larger role in this concept around supply chain excellence. And uh, excited to share um, some insights today. Thanks. Thank you very much, Peter. Absolutely. Good Good points all. We're off to a good start. Let's go around the virtual table to Vadi Narasimhamurti. Vadi, would you please introduce yourself and would you tell us what this topic means to you? Welcome, Vadi. Absolutely, Bonnie. And first of all, thank you for saying my name exactly right. You did a fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I rehearsed that five times before we went on here. Thank you. So, you know, I'm a principal uh, at Deloitte. And uh, I've been playing at this intersection of uh, supply chain and technology for the last 20 years of my life. Uh, you know, think about what's happening today, Peter, to your point, Bonnie and Chris, as you said earlier, you know, COVID has suddenly brought to life, you know, what is the supply chain? Do we care about it? Uh, how interesting is it? You know, how do I get my toilet paper on the, on the shelf of Walmart? Those things have started becoming questions that never did exist in the past. Uh, And it's interesting that technology has started to play a central role in how the supply chains operate globally. Our clients, if you think about it, have become extremely global. They source material from China, from Australia. Products are sold in the US or in Mexico. And all of that is driven by supply chains and how they have evolved and matured over the last uh, several years, 30, 40 years. Uh, But it's really coming to life in a very different way because of how well technology has developed in the last 10 years. And and as a result, the kind of impact it can have on supply chains that frankly you couldn't imagine, uh, you know, 10 to 15, 20 years ago. And and for me, uh, having played at this intersection of supply chain and technology, it's 
A, it's very cool for me personally to see this kind of uh, extraordinary impact, but it's also really cool as a consumer of all of these products to see the kind of impact it has on me personally and my families. You know, I use my mobile phones to order everything. I do every, a lot of things on Amazon. And how does all that happen? And to say that I had some tiny part in the back been behind the scenes to make all of this happen is pretty cool. So I'm very excited to talk about all of that today. Thank you very much. Good points. And uh, it, it just is interesting. I'm thinking I needed, needed desperately to get a new computer. I won't tell you what, but it's desktop. It's 27 inch. And I must have five of them <laughs> scattered around my house. And I needed one desperately. I had a lot of problems. And it was six weeks to get one. Now, in past years, I never would have talked about supply chain. I never would have said it. I would have said, well, what's going on? Maybe there was a run on big computers and everybody wanted one. It never dawned on me to think, well, where are they getting the parts from? And who's assembling it? And where is it coming from? Who's shipping it? What tariffs or barriers or trade, whatever they had to figure out to get it to the shelf so that I could get it from the company. It sounds like a fruit. And it was just very, very interesting to me that I became aware as a consumer. You're right, Vadi. It does. Everything we do, there is a, a genesis of where things came from. Uh, so th- this topic takes on really new meaning to everybody in our listening audience. On that note, it's time for us to move into the part of the show where I have asked my panelists to send me an interesting quote that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And we're going to find out what some of their favorite movies are, some of their favorite songs are, some of their favorite <laughs> books are. And I'm going to ask them to relate the quote to the topic in their own words so we get to hear how they think. And by the way, to our listening audience, I have the privilege and pleasure of being here on Zoom with my panelists, with Peter and Chris and Vadi, and I can watch them think, and you can't. But that's a <laughs> nuance for me as a host to see how they think and how they, how they gesture when they think. So somebody might post this video at some point, and you'll get to see it too. So let's go to Chris Richard. And Chris has sent Chris, this may be the first time we've ever had a one-word quote on the show, and I love it. It is part of, we've had two-word quotes, three-word quotes, but this is one. You, you wrote me and you said, is this okay? I said, heck yes. This is an iconic quote. It's actually, I'll tell you the word in a second. It's ranked number 42 in the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 movie quotes ever. Did you know that, Chris, when you picked this? I, I actually went and checked to see uh, how common <laughs> it was. Yeah, so I did find that out a couple of days ago. <laughs> well, the quote is attributed to a character named Mr. McGuire, played by an actor named Walter Brook, who left us many years ago in the 1967 film The Graduate. It's about Ben Braddock, played by one and only Dustin Hoffman, a talented but aimless recent college grad seduced by <clears throat> Mrs. Robinson, the wife of his father's business partner, blah, blah, blah. And I... Uh, I will read, I'm going to read, the the quote is, the one word is plastics, but I'd like to read where it comes into the dialogue. Is that okay with you, Chris? Sure. Let me set you up. So Mr. McGuire says, I want to say one word to you, just one word. And Ben Braddock, Dustin Hoffman says, yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. Exactly how do you mean? There's a great future in plastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? So Chris, now it's up to you. Plastics. What in the world does this have to do with supply chain digitization? Go ahead, Chris. I got to hear this one. Well, well, Bonnie, when you said I needed a shorter quote than the first one I gave, I just searched <laughs> for the, the shortest possible quote I could find, and it was one word. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad I'm your first guest ever to give you a one-word quote. Uh, no, that, that's not the reason at all. 
the re a very serious reason. The reason is Bonnie when um um so the, by the time I ever saw the movie uh, The Graduate, uh, plastics were were everywhere, right? I mean, I probably saw it. I don't know, you know, 15 or 20 years after it, it was released, right? You know, probably in the, the 70s or early 80s. And so I, I was kind of a head scratcher to me, like, why, why, why was this a thing, right, in, in 1967? Because it's everywhere now. But that's, that's how I look at what we're, the work we're doing around digital supply networks, right, is, is at, at some point in the future, everyone in this profession is going to be looking around saying, well, yeah, DSNs, digital supply networks, that, that's what we do. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's part of our thinking. It's part of our fabric. It's part of how we, we work on this stuff. But right now, this, this word is like the word plastics was in 1967. Very, very interesting. Thank you. I, a joke comes to mind. Um, a, a business is not doing well. A clothing, let's say a women's dress manufacturing business in New York City. And one of the partners says he can't stand it. And so he decides to jump out the window. Well, he jumps out of this window, very tall building. Goodbye, cruel world. I can't do it anymore. And on the way down, he passes the window of the showroom and the cutting room of his their competitors, who are several floors down. And he yells up to his partner, who's up, he says, Cut velvet. <laughs> so that's like plastics. Yes, that's where we need to go. Thank you very, very much. So let's go to a very provocative quote. Peter has selected a quote, and I can't even use the last word of the quote, but it's iconic. It's said by Dr. Emmett Brown, portrayed by the iconic Christopher Lloyd in the movie Back to the Future, 1985, American science fiction film directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by him and Bob Gale. We all know Marty J- Michael J. Fox starred as Marty McFly, who accidentally travels back in time to 1955. And this is also one of the great quotes. Very interesting and somebody told me to look up what the uh, what some of the mechanism of the the DeLorean was, and it was the flux <laughs> capacitate. Somebody give me a quiz the other day. So here's the quote Emmett Brown says, and I'll just say the S at the end, and, and everybody will get it, Peter, and then you'll tell us. If my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... I think I did that okay. It's, yeah, it's okay on Radio Land. Peter, <laughs> bail me out here. What are we talking about? Well, so first of all, here's a, a three-point buildup, Bonnie. Um, so we see supply chain excellent organizations every day. And, and so I'm excited to share with you the three things that they're doing right now to exceed expectations around this concept of digital transformation. Um, so the first thing they're doing is uh, leaders are actually standardizing their supply chain processes around this, I'll call it this 1996 model called SCORE, plan, source, make, deliver, return, and enable. So, um, and, and they're designing or they're redefining the standard to actually fully leverage the systems that they own today. Um, laggards, on the other hand, are using blueprints from five to 10 years ago, and they're only using about 30% of the systems that they purchased. You can't build new digital capabilities on things that are, that are shaky. The second thing, leaders are doing is they've invested early in these two uh, disciplines around sensing and collaboration. And the whole idea there is how do I make my supply chain more flexible and more agile? Laggards are still, they started investing in this whole concept last April. You know, so they woke up and they said, oh gee, I gotta do something to survive. Um, And they continue to reprioritize those investments based on the fires of the day. The third thing that leaders uh, are doing is they're thinking big, but they're acting small 
and then they're scaling fast when it comes to digital capabilities. So when they hit 88 miles per hour, they're pretty sure of success. Laggards, on the other hand, continue to attempt to implement the latest digital trends all at once. So at 88 miles per hour, they're flipping a coin. So the, the moral of the story is at 88 miles per hour, the shit looks different if you're a leader versus a laggard. Sometimes you have to go back to go forward. <laughs> Thank you very much. I have to tell you, when I moved here to Durham, North Carolina three years ago, Peter, I discovered that the average speed on I-40 and I-540 <laughs> is 80 miles an hour on a nice day. In the rain, they might do 72, 73, but on a nice sunny day, 80. In New York, Long Island Expressway, 55, 60 on a good day. When there's traffic, rush hour most of the time, it's called the world's longest parking lot. You might be doing 25, 18, 32. And here I am, I got to drive at 80 all. It changes your, so 88 miles an hour. We, I think we need up that number for the modern times, but that was a great quote. And thank you for the explanation, Peter. Very, very good. And let's go to Vadi now. Vadi has sent us another iconic quote from somebody who is an icon, a very quotable icon. It's from Yogi Berra, 1925 to 2015, American professional baseball catcher who took on the roles of manager and coach. <clears throat> he played 19 seasons with Major League Baseball, but he quit school after the eighth grade. And Vadi, this is what's interesting. He was known for his malapropisms, as well as pithy, paradoxical statements. He once said, it ain't over till it's over. Well, okay, take that one apart. <laughs> he once said, I really didn't say everything I said. All right, try that one on for size. But Vadi has picked a very interesting quote from Yogi. Let me read it, and then Vadi will tell us what the world has to do with our topic. Baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. <laughs> do the math. Vadi, rescue me. What is this all about? You know, I picked this quote for three reasons. A, I'm a huge sports fan. Right? I grew up just loving sports, all kinds of sports. And, and just anything, any quote from any sports person just always resonates. Second, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge cricket fan. And mm -hmm. so I moved to the United States 20 years ago. I've been really trying hard to learn baseball. Uh, and, and we can have an offline discussion about what I think about <laughs> baseball. But, you know, I've actually come to really enjoy the sport. So it's been uh, a really interesting learning going from cricket to, to baseball. And having learned the history of baseball, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Yogi. Uh, but, but third, it, it, to me, this uh, really signifies something uh, that's very interesting. If you think about it, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. Interestingly, if you think of supply chains, you know, we think of most of the supply chains to be physical, you know, product moving from one portion of the uh, one part of the world to the other part, from one part of the plant to the other part, product getting on trucks, going to retail stores, us walking to the store and buying stuff, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of physical. But the reality is there is a significant amount of supply chains that is digital. Uh, there is a significant amount of work that actually happens in how we interact with our supply chain partners. And, and, the, the, and the note of 90% mental can only resonated to me as 90% digital in supply chains, and the other half is physical in supply chains, which is very interesting for a, for, for a lot of people, given we see all the physical, but we don't actually get to see so much of the digital that happens from a supply chain uh, standpoint 
that I think is very, very important for these supply chains to be successful. And, and bringing technology really closely connected with supply chains to make this happen is, is really the crux of our conversation. And frankly, it just really resonated. This quote resonated from that standpoint. Thank you, Vada. You brought up so many interesting points, and, and were you the one who was saying you buy so much off of your phone now, right? So think about it, that buying, purchasing, the decision process is mental. We're not walking the aisles. Well, many of us can't right now, but we're not walking the aisles. We're, we're mentally, digitally searching, shopping, evaluating, and purchasing. We're not physically going shelf to shelf. Very interesting nuances to the topic. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the work you did before the show to find interesting quotes. It it just raises the whole energy of the topic. Thank you. Now, let's go to our most serious part of the show. This is the roundtable. My panelists have sent me a couple of statements for our discussion, conversation starters, if you will. And I'm going to start with Chris Richard. Chris, we've already pretty much discussed your statement number one, because it was part of our introduction. So I'm going to statement two. Let's get down to what we used to call the nitty gritty here. So Chris said, and I'll introduce what Chris said, and then I'm going to ask him to talk for about two and a half, three minutes. And then we'll bring Peter in. Peter, I'm going to challenge you with agree or disagree. And then we'll bring in Vadi. And Vadi, you get the, the fun of agreeing or disagreeing with either or both. You don't have to agree, but even if you agree, add your thought leadership. We want to know what you really think about it. So Chris said the following. Since the 1990s, SCORE, and I mentioned that in my opening, SCORE.ASCM.org, has served the supply chain by providing a reference model to guide supply chain design and improvement, but SCORE does not assist users in helping to guide this major transformation, and now you want to talk about the DCM model to fill this gap. Why don't we expand this a little bit? Chris, tell us more, please. Sure. Yeah. When I started working on supply chain improvement back back in the '90s, which is which is when Score was first released, you you literally could make significant improvements to how a company planned, sourced, made, and delivered product on a spreadsheet, right? And and you could you could go in uh, to solve a problem. You know, a, a month later, two months later, you could have it pretty much figured out. You could build an Excel model, and you could. You could do all kinds of stuff. You could implement a pool-based, you know, retail supply chain. You you could, you know, you could implement statistical models for demand forecasting. You know, there's there's wonderful things you could do with the power of that of that tool that that, that dropped into everyone's lap in the '90s, right? The Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> um, and and still a lot of a lot of major companies around this this globe run on spreadsheets. But but that is limiting. Uh, kind of linking back to what what Peter was saying. That that is a technology of the past. It doesn't unify. It doesn't integrate. It. These are not you know tools that that really pull a company together and make a network work. You know with fluidity, right? With responsiveness, mm-hmm. right? And so um, so when we invented the digital capabilities model for supply networks. It is fundamentally underlaid by what can technology enable, right? It's no longer what's my process. Let me let me go get my IT department to work for three years to try to create something that's implemented. But rather, let's co-invent this stuff. Let's look at what is what can I do now that I couldn't do a decade ago because of technology, because of 3D printing, because of IoT sensors, because of, of any of these technologies that are just popping up everywhere. But how do we seamlessly integrate that into a network so we can sense what's going on with our customers, with our suppliers, with our own companies, that we can then take that information and collaborate with each other, right? How, how do we work between 
procurement, between logistics, between manufacturing, right? So that we can come up with an optimal response uh, and then and then act on it. And so those are our four disciplines that underlie DCM, sense, collaborate, optimize, and respond. And Bonnie, that's the new score, S-C-O-R, sense, collaborate, optimize, and respond. Thank you. I always learn so much on these shows. Thank you, Chris. Let's go around the table. I don't know if anybody's going to disagree with you, but let's get some added thought leadership here. Peter, join us, please. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to double down on, on Chris. Uh, so I think one of the things that we've observed is score is kind of that baseline thing that everybody has to do. Um, and one of the things that the, the DCM model has done is, is allow people to start to think about how do I relate digital investments back to competitive strategy. And I think, uh, whereas, you know, whereas with SCORE, I have to do everything, the capabilities model actually allows you to pick and choose capabilities and then how they relate to other ones, you know, to actually, you know, achieve that competitive advantage. Again, pandemic has shown agility is kind of this fast rising uh, competitive advantage. And so how do I sense and collaborate better uh, to, to, to source uh, more flexibly, to deliver more flexibly. Um, so again, I'm going to double down on Chris, and, uh, um, but I'm going I'm to hold that one caveat. You need to have that foundation in place uh, to really fully take advantage of it. Thank you. Vadi, join us, please. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, I came here um, highly interested in debating both individuals, but with this particular point, I'm going to agree with both of them and, and say that, What's really uh, interesting, and, and COVID has really shown us to Peter, to your point, and Chris as well, is that our uh, organizations need to be extremely nimble and extremely agile, and, and as a result, be be responsive to what's happening in the supply chains. And what um, DCM, uh, Peter, as you said, allows us to do is pick what are those capabilities that really are going to make a difference in terms of business value focus on those capabilities. The thing that's interesting is technology has come such a long way. You know, I'll just give you a simple example of, uh, you know, 3D printing, right? Mm -hmm. In the past, manufacturing used to occur in a manufacturing plant. And then you would take the finished product and ship it to, you know, the customer. Now, you know, you can ship the parts to where you need to actually use something. So you can actually produce a shoe somewhere in a distribution center or even in the store. And all you need is now the sole and all of the components of the shoe to be shipped, not the actual shoe itself. So how do you procure items from your vendors? How do you plan for those elements to be shipped to a store? How does that, how does actually technology help with actually printing, uh, you know, the, the shoe itself? How do you, how do you support uh, the distribution aspects of all of this? All of that is fundamentally different when you have to ship a shoe versus the components that make up the shoe in order to print the shoe at, at the store. And, and so just think of technology and how that's evolved. I just think the way uh, this is going to impact uh, all of the, the companies is, is significant. And what DCM does is it allows you to focus on the things that matter initially and then focus on the rest uh, aided by technology. So I just, in this case, very candidly have to significantly agree with both Chris and Peter on, on, their, on their points. Thank you, Chris. This was your starting conversation point. Anything you want to say back to the gentleman on the panel with you? No, I think it's uh, good to see everyone agreeing with me. 
<laughs> Isn't he the diplomat? <laughs> there is a famous phrase that's attributed to Churchill about tact is the ability to win. <laughs> Never mind, you'll look it up. It, it wasn't him, but it was it was repetitive, repeated by him. Peter, I'm going to one of your statements here. I'm looking for something we haven't talked about yet. I'm going to statement number three. This is a Talk about the people part. We've been talking about tech. We've been talking about supply chain, this this amorphous, this ethereal thing called the supply chain. And we know there are a lot of moving parts and, and a lot of coordination is needed. But let's talk about the people part. Peter says creativity. We don't usually think about that. Ingenuity. Wow. Companies allow ingenuity. And teamwork are human elements that will accelerate tech-based innovation. We need to teach people how to use technology, not replace them by it. Very interesting, Peter. Let's relate this, please, to our digital supply chain, our conversation today, and then we'll go around the table. Vadi will be next with his comments. I dare you to disagree on this one, Vadi, but he might. I don't know. And then we'll go around <laughs> to Chris. So, Peter, you're up. Talk to me. Great. You know, one of the, you know, so as we were doing this co-development exercise, one of my favorite parts of this one was developing what I call the before and after personas. You know, so as we start to think about the, the, the level one, uh, uh, capabilities, so connected customer, synchronized planning, uh, development, um, intelligence supply, smart ops, um, and dynamic fulfillment. We, we were looking at the jobs of today and what they're doing in the morning when they show up for work, in the afternoon, and how they close down for the night. And then we started to conjecture around what does that look like after they've made some successful specific digital investments? And that picture looked very different. Mm-hmm. And so you start to think about how do I use the technology on the, you know, to make my organization better? Um, how do I direct technology? How do I adapt technology for use to solve a particular problem? So these are things that require human, you know, creativity, engineering, ingenuity, and teamwork. Um, and again, those personas as we define them in the model are not static. They're going to change with every different um, investment. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So as a planner, I've got to figure out how do I use a digital robot to help me clean up master data. Um, I have specific algorithms that are now being provided to me to help me forecast better. I have predictive analytics that are going to tell me how, you know, I'll call other data like weather and, and, and other things correlate to that particular point of sale data. So it's not about being replaced by these robots, it's how do I, how do I use them to get my job done better, faster, cheaper. Peter, it sounds almost new worldly, new world-like. I think Chris, you were talking about spreadsheets. Oh my goodness, yeah. spreadsheets. And it's a world, a lot of the world's still running with spreadsheets. And, and here we're talking about robots and it just trips off the tongue, doesn't it, Peter? Well, I'm using a robot to do this and I'm using a robot. We, well, we wouldn't have even, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, so I was going to think, think, Bonnie, you use a robot every day. And my guess is it's either Alexa or it's Siri. Alexa. So, so it, again, you think about the consumer is actually shaping, you know, how we think about and interact with robots today. Yes. When I get lonely, I tell Alexa I like her and she tells me she likes me too. And I feel very <laughs> fulfilled as a human being. Even though, And I ask her what she likes to eat. She says, you know, my food for thought is talking to people like you. She comes up with some answer, but it fills the space when you're alone and you want some companionship. So yes, I am talking to a robot, a bot, my favorite one. Thank you. I can't say her name too loud because she'll 
talk to me. Okay, so Vadi, you're up next. Vadi, talk to us about what Peter just introduced, please. Yeah, I mean, Peter, uh, Peter's point is really important that technology is, is, has been set up or has been created, has been developed and to help people manage the supply chain, not to have any replacement of people in the supply chain. Uh, there is nothing that technology, at least at this point, can do that will that will replace ingenuity, creativity, and uh, and 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 all of the talent that people bring to the table. What it can do is accelerate, you know, that uh, the thinking that people have in order to bring that to life sooner, uh, and to support that thinking in a more uh, agile manner. That uh, is very, very important. And we've seen a lot of organizations um, really think of uh, technology potentially as, uh, as, as an efficiency driver. To me, I look at it as uh, technology is not just an efficiency driver. It really is uh, a means to uh, connect better. It's a means to make sure that we have information that is flowing across the supply chain between different partners from the customer to the manufacturer, to the distributor, to the supplier, make that connection much more integrated and more seamless. Uh, instead of having to pick up the phone and have a conversation every single time, can we make this more efficient? Can I, can I send Bonnie a ping as soon as I've shipped my product out and Bonnie knows exactly when you're going to get your product, exactly what Amazon does today. But can you make that happen across the world, across the rest of the supply chains? That type of thing is what technology does. But really, the core of making this successful is the people that have to adapt the technology and really shape the technology to influence outcomes uh, that we're looking for and not the other way around. So it's 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 crucial that that happens and we're seeing that happen very well at a lot of our uh, you know customers that we work with thank you very much chris richard join us please thoughts um yeah i i i very interesting what peter and body were saying i'll take it a slightly different direction mm-hmm. um you know one of the the concepts that we at, at deloitte really think about in our digital supply network work is what we call the physical to digital loop so we have a there's a physical world and we have uh, part of these technologies or sensors to sense, well, what's going on in that physical world? Where's my stuff, right? Is it, is, is it in transit? What's the status, right? What's the quality of it? And we can sense this, this data and bring it into a digital world, right? And then the second concept we have is the digital to digital loop. And that's often what people think about when they think about information technology. I'm processing information. I'm exchanging data. Etc. But then there's also the third part of it is the is the digital back to physical, and so like Vadi's earlier example around the 3D printing of the of the shoe is a perfect example of going from from phys- from um, digital back back to physical. So um, when Peter was talking about ro- robots, uh, you know that that kind of triggered the the thinking. But um, just wanted to elaborate that you know when we talk about digital technologies here, it's not just the computer. It's not just pushing ones and zeros around. It is tying together, hey, what's going on in my physical world? How do I sense that? And then how do I, I implement you know, that in some kind of you know, action, whether it be shipping an order, manufacturing a, a part? 
Um, and if you'll allow me, I'll just I'll share a fun fact. Would you like to hear a fun fact, Bonnie? I would love to. You know that. So, so Peter, Peter talked about the personas, um, <laughs> the the before and after in a day in the life of the individuals, and 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 we had a lot of fun creating those. And when you know, over the last two two three years, that we've been building the DCM model. Uh, we've had over, this is a complete volunteer effort, right? We've had over 70 people working on this and, and I know them all. And as I looked at those personas come to life, I could actually tell who wrote them because really? they <laughs> reflected themselves, right? And I would look at the, the undergrad location and the graduate degree and I'd say, okay, I, I know who wrote that one because they, they took some, uh, some license there to put, to put the schools that they went to. Very, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to go back to Peter in a second. For Well, Peter, let me go back to you for a reaction. I'm going to tell you my sure. reaction to this. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so there was a book written a, a, a while ago, Peter Senge and the Fifth Discipline. And the whole idea there was, you know, how do you create this learning organization? You know, so if you take that concept of a learning organization, one of the five things that you have to do is really create an environment for team learning. And I think just, it's just reiterating what, what Chris said, is you have to allow uh, you know, people to understand what their shared vision is, but, but allow them to add their individual learning to the group. You know, this collective IQ is something that is actually going to be at the center of how do we fully leverage you know, this, fast, uh, this fast cycle of tech adoption. So, uh, so again, I... You, we're picking topics that we're all in violent agreement with. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can spar with any of this. So thanks, Bonnie. No, starring, no sparring needed. Uh, thank you. As I'm listening to all of you, I'm realizing we talk about team, right? Vadi and Chris and, and uh, Peter, we talk about team and teamwork. Well, the team, if you think about a supply chain, the team is vast. You're interacting with moving parts, with people, with machines in other parts of the world, people you will never get to shake their hand or say hello or even see them on a Zoom call. You're looking at a collaboration across a supply chain of a vast number of elements. And it dawned on me, the word ingenuity came up, creativity came up. Somebody has to be aware of this in a company, right, Vadi? When you, you buy those shoes or you decide to 3D print or, or you buy that toothpaste, how many people were involved in that process? And somebody who's managing a company, leading a company, has to somehow, as a human being or, or as a robot, get their arms around that vast number of elements that contribute to the successful from ideation to concept, to production, to delivery, to a satisfied customer. Think about it. There are some, so team to me takes on this huge dimension now. If you think about the team involved in one product going through the supply, anybody want to challenge me on that? I'm, you're welcome to, but I'm, I'm thinking it's a, the team gets so big at that point. Chris, anything you want to say about that? You good? Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. And so, and when we, think about that in a supply chain that the team is, you know, different levels, right? You have your team that you work with day in and day out, right? I'm on Zoom, I'm Miami, and I'm, I'm working with a certain set of collaborators. I've got an extended team that extends within my whole company, right? And how supply chain works with marketing, works with sales, works with finance. But the real 
power of a digital supply network is when the team goes between different companies, right? My suppliers, right? My supplier suppliers, my customers, my mm-hmm. customers, customers. And, uh, and, and again, it's another um, enablement from technology, right? Is, is I can, I mean, look, look at what COVID's done to us. I mean, Zoom, we're Zooming, right? You know, we, we, can, we, we can collaborate with each other with these technologies that, uh, that, that we, you know, really were only dreaming about 10, 10 years ago. There you go. And that's in the scope of things. 10 years is a grain of sand on the beach, so, right? Peter, talk. Yeah. So, Bonnie, I, I just want to, again, so I'm trying to find a way to spar with you. So I'm going to give you a half spar, right? So <laughs> I, I, think, I think team learning without shared vision uh, is directionless, right? So you, you have to learn, you know, with some kind of a purpose. You have to have the right mental model of what we're trying to do. And that, that goes back to understanding, here's how my supply chain works and here's the capabilities that I want. But the, the tricky part then is how do you design this so that people inside of that system feel like they have some personal mastery over this? I can contribute to this or I have some degree of control. And so, so I think team learning by itself is one of five things. I think you need to think about the entire concept of how do I learn together as an organization? So that's that's the best I can do to spar with anybody today, Bonnie. The topic is so fun. <laughs> well <laughs> done. Well, go, buddy. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Peter, to your point, it's not just about learning within the organization. It's, it's actually across the organizations. Right. It makes this uh, a really interesting topic. Uh, and, and, and not only does it span across organizations, it spans the globe because every other organization is sitting somewhere else in the world. And so cultures matter, uh, right. how we think about all, each of these matter. How do we bring all of that to that shared purpose and, and common idea that you were just referencing is really the key to success. And that's what, uh, you know, candidly, that's what SCORE gave some kind of a framework to think about. Right. And, and DCM is taking it to the next level of not only the framework, but also how do you actually make it happen? How do you make it real? for this global network to start to talk to each other in a language that we all understand. And, and that's, I think, the power of, of this. Bonnie, would you like me to spar a little bit here? Well, of course I would. We have one more statement I'm going to tee up in a minute from Vadi, and we, we have time to get in. Go ahead. Chris, yeah. spar away. Well, I, it, as, uh, I mean, I agree. I just realized, right, as we've been talking, right, all, all of us and Peter and Vadi most recently, you know, the, these technologies – we're talking about all the things that are positive, right? All, all the things they enable. But on, on the topic of teamwork, you know, one of, the, one of the things we see companies, organizations, you know, when I say, you know, for-profit companies, nonprofit organizations uh, struggle sometimes to adopt these is it, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's new, right? It's different. And the way some of our, uh, you know, companies operate, right? They've operated a certain way for a decade or two in some, in some cases, and so the, while these technologies are enabling a true network and true collaboration, I just want to point out that there, there's a lot of fear that can come along with this. It's, it's new. I got to let go of my old ways of working. I have to learn new technologies. I have to be more collaborative, more open. And that, that's not easy all the time, uh, many, many times. So it's, uh, we're, we're talking about all the positives, but it's, it's tough, right? You got to learn new disciplines, new practices. 
Thank you. And that was what we what I was referring to a few minutes ago, that the team is so big. And the question is, who is leading? Who? What is their vision? How do you communicate? How do you know the parts, the moving parts of your supply chain? Where does ingenuity come in? Where does vision come in? Who are the leaders that have the energy to understand the scope of this? Seriously, there's got to be somebody who's saying, yeah, uh, that part wasn't at the exact specs that we needed it. Now this machine won't work or we can't deliver that product on time. You have to be able to grasp so much. But I want to move on to Vadi's point number four. He says, the evolution of the SCORE model to the technology-enabled DCM model in conjunction with academia, there's a new point, is critical to create the set of next-generation supply network capabilities that are needed to set up revitalize, very important point, or transform a company's supply chain. Vadi, would you please expand this for me? Yeah, absolutely, Bonnie. It's actually interesting we're talking about this right after the, the previous discussion that we had around, around people. We spend a lot of time uh, now already talking about how technology is playing such a critical role in the supply chain. But the, but the more important role, if not at least as important, more important, is how are people going to adapt? And that's what we were talking about earlier. What is really, really important as we think about this over the next 20 to 30 to 40 years is uh, how do we bring the next set of you know, people that actually understand it from the time they were born? I mean, my son knows the iPad better than anything. And he's eight years old. And, and I didn't know what an iPad was until I was well in my 30s. So... <laughs> Part of the reason for this discussion of, of doing this in conjunction with academia is because we want to bring, make this a part of the education for people uh, that are going through schools and colleges. And so when they get into the professional world, this is something they just naturally know. This is not something they have to learn or unlearn and then relearn 15 years after they started working. And I think that is extremely important as we think about how this needs to grow, we talk about having a common language that we all need to speak. Well, the common language for, for most of us came because we all learned a lot of these things as we grew up in, in, in academia and then joined the professional world and we started talking the same language. That's why I think it's important. Uh, so the, 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 uh, the relationship that uh, you know, ASCM has and Deloitte has but with the academia is so critical to drive this knowledge. To, and it's also the other thing is, it's a, it's a fantastic place to generate new ideas. Think about it, all of the technology, the ideas that come from academia that can actually improve the existing model, but also really from a company standpoint, revitalize their supply chain. Not, not everyone just sitting in companies today can come up with those ideas. Academia can do a phenomenal job of, of generating those ideas and that's why this relationship has become extremely critical and it's very strategic to the success of uh, the DCM model. And it's, and it's the core of really the kinetic enterprise that we, we keep talking about from a Deloitte standpoint. We talk about how it needs to be intelligent, responsive, inclusive, clean. All of the, those ideas can be generated from academia just as we can do it in the industry. And that collaboration is crucial for our, for our success over the next several decades in my mind. Thank you. That's a long-term view. We have a few minutes left. I want to make sure we get Chris's responses to what Vadi just shared, and then we'll go for Peter. So, Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, so we're 
actually, you know, have headed down that, that path, Bonnie. So when two little, maybe little, maybe about 18 months ago, when we were getting ready to do the first major release of DCM, we, uh, we got together with three uh, supply chain professors and we did a full day kind of scrub through, through the model. And, and that was really helpful. G- gave us some good uh, perspective uh, and, in, and in some ways, in unanticipated ways, right? They were able to not only uh, kind of vet it out, but also bring in their, their students' perspective, kind of share, hey, what's this generation that's rising and studying supply chain interested in? So that was helpful. So ba- based off of that, uh, we now have an academic advisory panel of uh, around uh, around 20 different professors, you know, lead, uh, in leading in different supply chain domains. Um, so that's that's there that that's going. It's it's great participation. It's great it's great feedback. You know, very constructive recommendations around both kind of the edge of thought leadership as well as just some of the fundamentals. How do you how do you make this comprehensible? How do you make it understandable? Right, because that's the lens they're coming from. And then the, the second thing is, um, you know, we, we work with, uh, well, one of the uh, professors, Morgan Swink at, at TCU, uh, is right now this semester piloting the, the first ever uh, academic course on, on DCM. So that's, he's kind of halfway done with the course right now. And, you know, we talk with him every week and we're, we're learning from that, right? What are the students, you know, uh, learning, right? What is not clear, right? What, so we've got, a real t- real time feedback loop with a uh, with a group of students right now to try to make this uh, you know um, you know t- tune things in a way that uh, that our, our our rising students um, can can make use of. Very important, Peter. We have time for your comments. Join me, please. Great. Uh, so I just want to talk about an example. Uh, so this idea around resilience, and and so we know that resilient supply chains. Uh, grow market share during and post the recession. And in fact, that was uh, research that we collaborated with Morgan Swink on. So this, this is a pretty good closed loop. Um, we know that resilient supply chains um, are doubling down on digital investments. And so when we think about what digital investments are they doubling down on, what are they having success with, what are some of the challenges, um, I, think, I think it just reinforces Again, what Vadi said is we need we need the academic community to start thinking strategically and thinking big on where might we you know establish a direction for um, for things like resilience. And, and so again, violent agreement with both uh, colleagues. Thank you very much. Very interesting topic around the table. Vadi, thank you for that conversation starter. Gentlemen, we've got barely five minutes left. So what I'd like to do is have go into the crystal ball predictions round. And I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. That's really all we have, just barely 60 seconds. So no big pontificating. What do you see as far as digital supply chain, as far as companies embracing this around the world and understanding the time is now, do something about it. We have time. Some companies have a time out to do it. Others are just in the middle of catching up and everything is still going very fast. But let's start with Chris. 60 seconds, real fast. Where is this all going in between now and let's say 2025? You pick the time. Chris, go. By 2025, uh, companies around the world are going to collapse their decision making from you know months to minutes. The the COVID situation has shown such a spotlight on the global connectivity issues that it's going to be the responsibility up to the board of directors level 
to really get this stuff under control, really expose the risk and build the resiliency that Peter was talking about. Thank you very much. Very important. Months to minutes. We love that. Peter, 60 seconds. Go. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have to be thinking about um, climate change as our next pandemic size disruption. And the, the biggest question is, what, what do I double down on from a digital investment standpoint? How do I go backwards to go forwards uh, uh, to maximize on that investment? Um, I think by 2025, you're going to see leaders emerging that way. Thank you very much. Vadi, what do you think? Got a prediction for me? Two things. One is sustainability is going to be important. That's what Peter was talking about. Can, can I be more critical as we look at uh, as we look at the focus for companies over the next three to five years? Second is uh, the amount of uh, uh, embracement of technology is going to exponentially increase uh, in the next several years. Uh, companies are doing a great job today. Uh, there's a lot to be had uh, left on the table, and they're going to embrace it to the full tilt, and we're going to see this explosion of how technology is used in driving supply chain benefits. Gentlemen, I have a question for you, a lightning round question, if you will. I, I think a yes or no answer will do it. I've got about two and a half minutes here, just two minutes. Question is, do you think in the next five years, somebody who, let's say somebody's listening to this show, somebody who is working in, in some part of a supply chain, and they have a, a high school age student in the family, and the student hears the show and they say, this sounds like really exciting work. I would like to get a degree in supply chain leadership or supply chain innovation. Do you think academia colleges will offer something that is a degree in supply? I'm making this up, but to me, it sounds like we need, need to go there. Yes or no answer, Chris Richard? Yes, they already do. They already do. What is it called? Degree in supply chain management. You're kidding? Are you serious? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, all the academics I talked about, they all are professors yeah. that teach supply chain management. Supply yeah. chain management. And what would it's the here. The future is here. We're back to the future, Bonnie. I love it. Well, then I don't have to ask the same question to Peter and Vadi. Thank you very much. It just, can you imagine your, your grandma says, so what are you majoring in? I'm majoring in supply chain uh, management. He says, what? Peter, go ahead. Yeah, I have one five second. I think in the next five years, this whole idea, the idea around diversity and inclusion and how do we develop leaders in supply chain is going to be absolutely critical for the industry. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We have to do a round of applause quickly for Egosa, Egosa Obakpalor, who helped to put this episode together, and Carla Neela Deloitte. Everybody, you can put your hands together. Come on, let's go. And for Aaron Keller, our engineer, my sidekick at World Talk Radio Voice America, the business channel, thank you so much. Chris Richards, such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for your thought leadership. And now I know if I ever go back to college, what I want to major in, maybe. <laughs> Peter Ballstorff at Deloitte, thank you so much. And Vadi Narasimhamurti at Deloitte. I got it. Everybody have a great day. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and think about supply chain next time you have something to say. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.